into today now, we're going to finish up our four-week series in Advent. And again, remember, the whole meaning of the word Advent is an expectant coming. The people were expecting Jesus. They were looking for his coming. And again, how we live in the not yet. We can look back at the manger, and we can look forward to Jesus coming back, and we live in the middle of that. And so we get the expect, great expectations of looking back at the manger, and we have the end of the book, so we know how things are going to turn out. These guys didn't at that time. We've got to constantly remind ourselves of that. These guys didn't have the rest of the book. And so we look back with great expectations, but waiting for Jesus to come is that same thought process. We don't have that end of the book and when he's coming back. And so we got to live with a great expectation of him showing up at any time. And do we live our lives as if Jesus could come back right now? Or do we think it's not going to be for a few years? And so I have time to get things straight. I got time to go do my own thing and then come back to Jesus. Or do we truly believe what he says? He comes as a thief in the night at any time. So we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And Christy and I talked about that last night. I'm not guaranteed. I wasn't guaranteed to wake up this morning. By the grace of God, I woke up this morning. He put the breath in my lungs so I could get up. And so I try not to take any day for granted. Now, I do at times. I miss things. But the message today, as we've gone through hope, love, Joy, today we talk about peace and how we can have peace that surpasses all understanding. And how when we're going through some things, Jesus is walking right along with us. Because he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so the thought process of that manger and what those heavenly hosts proclaimed to those shepherds on that night was the Prince of Peace was coming into the world. And so if you go back and you think about it, the Jews at that time had been waiting for 700 and some years for the Messiah to come. They had different ideas on what that was going to look like. They had different ideas on who was going to, how he was going to come. They, you know, some of them thought he was going to come and just conquer the Romans and reset up Israel and reset up the nation. Some thought he was going to just come back and wipe everything out and start everything over again. Nobody thought he was going to come in a manger and be born to lowly parents without fanfare. And so one of the verses we're going to look at this morning is 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28. If you guys actually want to go to John 14, 27, that's where our main verse is going to be out of for today. But 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28 says, Instead, God chose the, thing of the things of the world, considers foolish, in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing to what the world considers important. And so, if you have a mindset that you're not that special, God 
will use you. Because that's who he is. Quickly take a look at three steps of peace that Jesus brought to us on that first Christmas morning. The first thing Jesus brought on that first Christmas morning was peace between us and God. It says in Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Okay, so that first thing Jesus did on that Christmas morning was start to break down the walls of the relationship between me and God. Because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, if you go back and look at the garden, it was perfect peace until sin came in the world. And once sin came in the world, that peace was broken. And if you read through the rest of Romans 5, 9 through 11 says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And now we can rejoice in our wonderful new friendship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. And so that first Christmas morning, that's why he was called the Prince of Peace, is he brought peace between us and God. We no longer had to offer sacrifices. We no longer had to do certain things. Jesus did it all for us. The second thing that Jesus brought on that first Christmas morning is because of the knowledge of understanding that we've been made right with God, we can have peace in our trials. Okay, Romans 5 again, going back to Romans 5, 3 through 5 it says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not disappoint, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And so when Jesus came, and in John 16, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Not peace in our circumstances, not peace in our world, not peace in our spouses, not peace with our friends, but peace in Jesus. And he says, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so when we understand that Jesus set us right with God, and then he set us right with our trials, we step into that third thing, and it says complete peace and present for our, our present and for our future. Jesus brought, brought complete peace to our circumstances. We know where we're at today. We know where we're going. And so everything in between is the journey. We know what, where we're sitting today, and we know in our own hearts we're not good enough. Thank God Jesus made us good enough. We know when we put our trust and our hope in Jesus that our future is secure in heaven. And so we live on the journey of the not yet in between those two places. 
And so every day on this journey, we have the opportunity to grow closer to God or run away from God. Okay, we don't stay the same. We're either moving forward or backwards. There's no in-between. John 14, 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift. And this is Jesus talking now. So if you have that red letter edition, it's written in red. So we're going to pay attention. Okay. Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. Y'all know what that gift is? Peace of mind and heart. So see, peace is a gift from God. The peace we have is a gift. Jesus gave us that peace when he died on that cross and when he went back to heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So understand, when you're going through trials, when you're going through problems, when you're going through situations, and when you're going through circumstances that don't make sense, Jesus said... It's going to happen, but I'm never going to leave you. Call a friend who knows God and pray about it together. Talk about it together. Walk through it together. We're not designed to do this on our own. We're designed to do this as a body. How many bones are in the body? I'm just having people guess here right now. Four? (laughs) I was going to say 207, 267, something like that. So a bunch. Yeah, I mean, somebody, I'm sure, come on, guys, you guys got Google. (laughs) Sure, we don't have enough young people here who just go, Uh, but think about that. So if our body needs that many, and that's just the bones. That's not counting the muscles, the tendons, the, the nerve endings, the everything else that God's placed in our body. If we need that much to just make our body work, It's a representation of the body of Christ. We need everybody working together to make us all go in the same direction. Because if my left arm wanted to play a D and my right hand needed a G, it's going to sound horrible because they're not working together. Or instead of holding 232 on my neck, I hold 475. That's not a D. Okay, so we all have to be working together and have that one mind. And so, understand, Christ on that first Christmas Eve, the purpose of him coming was to bring us peace with God, first and foremost. So how many are there? 206? I was close, huh? 207? Sweet. So anyways, 207 bones. 206. But again, going back to that thought process, we need that many bones to, to structure our body. And then we need the nerve endings, we need the muscles, we need the tissue, we need the tendons and everything to start working so we can become who God created us to be. It's the same thought process with the body of Christ. Okay, everybody needs to work together. We can't do this on our own. And that's the piece that Jesus talks about is when we're not striving for our own thoughts, but we're striving for Jesus, we become who he's called us to be. And one of the best and probably most quoted verses when it comes to understanding trials and tribulations that people will quote is Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a hope and to give you a future. 
So that's back in the Old Testament. Jeremiah is getting, is, this is what God's telling him to tell the, the Israels, Israelis, the nation of Israel, however you want to say it, is understand, I'm not sitting here to judge you. I'm not sitting here to crush you. I'm not sitting here up here waiting for you to screw up because I know what I got planned for you. I have great things planned for every one of you is what he's saying to you this morning. You may not think it and you may not see it, but God says it so it's true. He says, I have great plans for you. Those kids that are in the kids' church room, guess what? God says, I have great plans for each and every one of them. Everybody who went to a church anywhere here this morning and those who didn't go to church this morning understand God says, I have great plans for you. And that's what we proclaim, is that God has so much more than we see in ourselves that he's just saying, go out and give people hope. And then I'll show them their future. And so when we give people hope and we say come and see and when we invite people in next week to come to that journey with us to the unexpected manger, it's not about us. It's not about whether or not we can make this place look cool. It's about Jesus and letting them see the future and the hope they have in him.